there's a little bit of steam about the Dame trade. Maybe, possibly, we can get this thing over with before training camp begins. We'll talk about what that could mean and why. Plus, are the Knicks really ready for a star trade if it were to happen? And James Harden to the Clippers does not look like it's going to happen. What does that mean for Harden? And what are the decisions facing the former MVP? All that and more on Locked on NBA. You are Locked on NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making this your first listen. We appreciate you guys joining us on whatever platform you've chosen. Whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a five-star review if you'd be so kind. Or if you're checking us out on YouTube, you can find the show on YouTube. Just search for Locked On NBA on YouTube and you can see a video version of the show. We do record this live on Mondays during the season. David Ramil and I'll be recording after the games to give you the breakdowns on all the big events from the NBA night's action. On today's show, we'll talk about the Damian Lillard saga and how it continues, but there's starting to be a little bit of steam, and I got some stuff that I think we should talk about on that front. Uh, are the Knicks really ready for a star trade? Because there's a lot of noise about them potentially making a big deal and some interesting stuff on an agent front with a key player. We'll talk about that and... The Clippers reportedly are not interested in a James Harden deal anymore. They are moving on. What does that mean for Harden? Will the two sides re-enter negotiations later? We'll talk about all that and more on today's show. Want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. My name is Matt Moore. I'm senior NBA writer for the Action Network and co-host of Locked On Nuggets. Joined by David Ramil, he's co-host of Locked On Heat, along with Wes Goldberg. You can find him on Twitter at dramil13. Yes, I will still call it Twitter until the end of time. David, how you doing, man? Counting down the days, media day, two weeks exactly from the start of the season. Should be an exciting time. Should be a good year. Looking forward to it and not having to dig deeper than I normally would in order to find NBA news and notes to talk about. It has been an uncharacteristically quiet time Off-season. of year. Yeah. Even like August is always quiet. September is usually pretty quiet. I yeah. do not recall it being this quiet. There's no like headline making interviews. There's no scandal that broke out really. There's been a couple of things obviously that were really unfortunate. We touched on those last week. Like, there's been some stuff, but really, it's been a very, very quiet uh, offseason around the NBA. Even as kind of all the drama continues to circulate, Damian Lillard and James Harden, as I will link those again together, as I know you love that I do. Uh, let's start with the Damian Lillard stuff. So, I think it was two weeks ago, maybe it was last week, when Sean Sharania reported, comes out and reports again. A very, It was kind of an auspicious report. And John Strani of The Athletic reports, once again, Damian Lillard will not report to any camp that he has traded to unless it is Miami. He will not arrive for camp. If, theoretically, he was traded to, I don't know, say the Toronto Raptors, he will not report to training camp. Um, it is no surprise that this is, I've heard that this is based off of their, there, there was some tire kicking that went on. Uh, I've heard that it's not just one team, that multiple teams in the Eastern Conference, uh, the Raptors being one of them. That's like, that's the thing nobody was really saying, but like everyone around the league kind of knows like, yeah, the Raptors are amongst the teams. I don't think that they're the only team, but they they have kicked the tires. And and what that means, if we're asking like, well, what does that mean? 
it's not about engaging Portland. It's about getting in touch with Dame's representatives and being like, hey, right. You know, if we pulled the trigger on this, are you sure you don't want to come to camp? Because like we'd have a pretty good team. Um, and the response so far has been cold. It's been very much like, no, Dame's holding, Dame's holding the line, or at least through his representatives, he is. And like, that's kind of the thing that's really key here is uh, I would imagine that his representatives are like, don't pick up the phone unless it's somebody that you know that's in your contacts. Let me handle this uh, to try and get into Miami because if Dame gets on the phone and is like, well, yeah, man, like I, you know, I love OG and like, yeah, like Siakam's really good, whatever it would be, or if it's, you know, Brooklyn or Philadelphia or wherever the minute that, that they get a sense of like, Oh, so he won't hold out, hold out. Like that makes the deal a lot more appealing. And so there's kind of probably, I would imagine a little bit of um, interference running on this. Um, that is to say at the same time, there's been a lot of conversation about uh, various Miami sources have reported that there's been a little bit of momentum that they started re-engaging. I have some theories as to, as to kind of where this is headed. I am curious to your reaction as you hear all of this in recent days. I'm not surprised by the idea of lots of teams being interested. I still, you know, I, I think it's a lukewarm interest more than anything else. And and I, I at least from the team's perspective, like acquiring Dame Lillard is fine, at, you know, and on in theory. But I, I just, you know, I, I've been pretty consistent about this. I, I still don't see which team stands to benefit as much as Miami does from the acquisition of Lillard. And, and, is as interested in pursuing him as Miami is. So I, I, I can see why you'd kick the tires and see if baby, again, if the market's been pushed down because of Miami's interactions through media or whatever, and maybe a Toronto or another team says, you know what, if they're going to already throw a low ball offer at Portland, Portland's going to accept it. Why wouldn't I just go ahead and do the same? That might be just slightly better without having to give up, say, I don't know, Scotty Barnes or something along those lines. Right. And maybe that's just might be enough. So I, I could see why other teams are, are calling and making some, you know, you know, making some pitches there. I can understand from Portland's perspective, trying to draw up the market, push it, maybe see if you can get an extra asset or an extra pick or something along those lines. But it's just it's the inevitability of it. And I know a lot of people have said, oh, well, he's a heat guy, you know, the, the arrogance on him. I just I, I see it as being inevitable that Dame winds up in Miami. And it's been pretty consistent the whole time, uh, you know, because, again, because of whatever reason, it just, it just hasn't seemed like the same kind of buzz. Like Even when Kevin Durant last year, when he put his name out there in the first place, and he had his wish list, and it was Phoenix and Miami or some other teams, et cetera. But there seemed like there was more of a league-wide general interest. I mean, you're reporting this. Mark Spears just reported this shortly before we started recording this. A lot of teams interested in Dame, but it just doesn't, doesn't feel like a lot of teams are interested in Dame. So I don't, I don't know. I, I still see a possibility of Dame winding up in Miami before the start of training camp on October 3rd. Yeah, I definitely agree. I'm still of the mindset that he's going to wind up in Miami. I've been there consistently. I've said that over and over again, no matter how much I may trash the Miami offer and it's garbage. (laughs) uh, I still maintain that they are, they're going to wind up with him. Um, I do want to be clear because I need I need to to not I need to be be clear on this. I haven't spoken oh, okay. to anybody in Toronto, so it's not like anybody with Toronto yeah. has contacted me and been like, "Yeah, we put in an offer for Dame." Everybody around the league that I've talked to is like that they have have heard that it's Toronto, and maybe that's entirely based off of putting two to two together with the with the Shams report, right? But the indications I've gotten are that no, that there was probably a little bit of um, of genuine interest from Toronto on that front, along with a few other teams. The other kind of side of this I, I do think is interesting is I I think that there's a possibility. So I, I one thing I try and do is I try and like see the board. This next part is not reporting. This is just entirely subjective. I'm just going to like, sure. I'm putting pieces together here. 
I do I do tend to try and find situations that are unrelated and see if there's a possibility of them being involved when there's a lingering situation like this. And we've talked over the summer a lot about Atlanta and Toronto and Dallas and those three teams being in a conversation. We did a show on that. I think there's probably a pretty strong possibility of, I think there's among the, the frameworks, I think Miami has tried to seek out to get the assets. They'll convince Portland to give up the ghost. I think among them is probably that they talked to Atlanta and they probably talked to Dallas and they probably talked to Atlanta about like, Hey, what if we help you do a deal to move Capella to Dallas, we'll take on, you know, we'll take THJ's contract because I would imagine Miami be like, Oh, are you tall and and can stand on the wing? Yeah, we could use you at this point. Um, So I would imagine that there's a a possibility of them talking to Atlanta, talking to Toronto and trying to get those kind of conversations involved. This isn't to say that that's going to be how the final deal shakes out, but that kind of gives you a sense, I think of what might wind up happening is, when there's been these things that have, have been in conversations for a while. And then like Atlanta and Dallas talked for years about a Collins trade. And then they shifted to Capella after the, the Hawks moved Collins to the the jazz. So there's kind of like multi-team frameworks that are still kind of in motion here. And those teams, I think probably do have the assets. They have at least the young players um, that could satisfy what Portland would at least feel a little bit better about. And to be quite honest, it might mean that Miami doesn't have to give up both Nikola Jovic and Tyler Hero in a deal. Maybe you know, they've only got to give up one, which would obviously be a big win for Miami. Uh, that's a possibility. I, I, it's interesting that you say that it gets kind of more and more complicated, and yet Miami would stand to benefit because, I mean, what I'm, I'm hearing, I guess, locally, and again, maybe that's just skewed by the fact that it's Miami-based media – you know, it just seems like the offer, as crappy as it might have been from what was reported a couple of months ago, is getting more and more crappy as time passes. Now, Heat fans are convinced they're going to give up Kyle Lowry in a second-round pick in order to get Dame Lillard. And it's, that's just the men's mindset, that they're going to wind up keeping Tyler Hero, that they're going to wind up keeping Caleb Martin, that only one of the rookies will be sent over there. Uh, I mean, one of the young players, Jovic and or Jaime Hawkins. Uh, and that's basically it. So it's... How does it? How would it work for the team for more teams to be involved, and yet for Miami's uh, package being smaller than what was originally reported? How would that work out? Just because you get a, an additional team that might be able to provide something to Portland that they would actually want? So I think the way it kind of would work is if there's a team that's looking to move a contract, and Atlanta I think is a good fit on this because what I've heard is that they believe very much in Onyeko Kongwu. And Onyeko Kongo is really good. So if you can move Capella and get Tyler Hero, you are now swapping out an asset you want to move anyway and getting a plus asset in Tyler Hero. So So Hero to the Hawks and Capella to the Mavs and then uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. to Miami? This is, again, speculative. Sure. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm just, I'm trying to understand. So yeah. that's how it would all work yeah. out. Like I have, okay. like I'll, I'll send it to you. I got a framework that actually kind of works and right. involves like the Mavericks would wind up sending a, a young player in it. They would okay. send one of your young guys. And Atlanta has a bunch of young guys that they can honestly right. probably, depending on wh- how they feel. I don't get me wrong here. If you're a Hawks fan and you're like, why would they do that? I don't think they should. Like I'd rather have Clint Capella than Tyler hero, or at least be able to try and trade him later for other assets. Um, right. You know, I'd be honest, like, that's it, really tricky. The young hero backcourt, that would be, that would be risky. Would be, Tyler would be, would be six man, right? So you'd always be able to have two of hero, DeJounte Murray and Trey on the floor. 
And that combo, I think, is like where that works. And again, if you're just like, this doesn't make any sense, sure. But if you're like, hey, this get this gets us a former six man of the year winner that can run the second unit, and we clear out minutes for Onyeko Okongwu, now all of a sudden you're like, okay, it's not a bad return, depending on what happens. But again, I, the other problem here is that when you start getting into these three fourteen, like this is one of the problems I think Miami's going to face is when you start getting into three and fourteen trades, it's yeah. difficult. Like they just. The more people you get to appease, the more chances an owner just says, no, nah, I don't want to do this. I I like that guy. No. And that's why I think it gets tricky. On the other side, we'll talk about the Knicks, who one of their star players uh, made a, a, an interesting decision over the weekend. We'll talk a little bit about that. And we'll try and answer the question, are the Knicks ready for a big star trade? We'll do that on the other side here on Locked On NBA. But first, I need to tell you about FanDuel Sportsbook. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. I had a great day betting NFL yesterday at FanDuel Sportsbook. Had an absolutely phenomenal day. Uh, I went 7-3 and three yesterday on teasers, sides, and totals. Absolutely phenomenal. It was a really great day. Thank you, Seattle. Thank you so much. You are the best. Love you, Seahawks. You're incredible. Uh, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. They have so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And you can get out some NBA futures as well. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us, making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Tuesday. If you're listening to this on the podcast, joining us on YouTube on a Monday, David Ramil and Matt Moore with you. All right. So David, I, some interesting news over the weekend when, with regards to Julius Randall, who decided yeah. to change agencies. He's been a longtime CAA client and he's left the agency and he signed with WME Sports, uh, represented by George Bass, um, and that's who he was represented by uh, first. And then he's been represented by Mintz and Steve Human of CAA for a long time. Yeah. So the move to WME, I think this is one of those, those deals that goes very under the radar because it's like, who cares? The Knicks are CAA. That's, yeah. that's what they are. It's like, they are, they've always, this has been decades multiple of how long they're a lot of members of their internal organization are members of CAA or alumni from CAA, uh, including President yeah. of Basketball Operations, Leon Rose. So yeah. a decision to leave CAA when you play for the Knicks is absolutely eye-opening. That's a, that's a very interesting prospect. And it's only going to add fuel to the fire of the potential of Julius Randle being traded here. 
yeah, you, you get an agent who is like outside of that because if not, <laughs> you want to be you want to be represented by somebody who has your interests, not the Knicks organization or not you know CAA and their interests at heart. So it makes total sense for Julius. I'm I'm honestly a little surprised that it hasn't happened before, but maybe it's just a matter of you know you've got a relationship with your agent. I totally get it. But now by switching to a different agent outside of the current party, you want to be able to say you know what. We're, we're planning for something down the road, and I want somebody in my corner who has my interests at heart, not necessarily the teams. And so uh, I, I get it. So is how do you see this playing out? How is Julius getting his own agent because he's going to request a trade because he's in the middle of contract negotiations and he wants to be able to secure a better deal than whatever CAA slash the Knicks are going to be able to provide? What's the, the, what's the bottom line for Julius in seeking out a new representation? Yeah, usually when this happens, the player is either fresh off of a, a free agency where he feels he got a raw deal and he's not right. happy with how that went, or he's a prospective free agent and he's switching it because he's going to be a free agent and he's looking to do that. Um, yep. Or in the case of Anthony Davis, uh, he's looking to, to strong arm the team that he works for into giving him up uh, to the team he right. wants to go to, right. who's also represented by the agent <laughs> of that guy. Not that no, everything is completely above board in the NBA. Um, but Randall's in a contract for the next two years. He's got a right. player option for 25, 26. So we're like a long way from Julius Randall being a free agent. And to me that what this does kind of signal though, is like a separation from the Knicks is that he doesn't feel like his, his interests are being represented. And that could be anything from like, he feels like internally he's being blamed too much when the Knicks struggle. Um, to I mean he's he had a lot of problems with not this season where he was really good but last season where he was pretty rough um, after being really good the year before so don't know what that means yeah. for this season he but, struggled against Miami when they ousted him in the playoffs yeah. and I know he was hurt and that was a big part of it but I, I think you know a lot of he, a lot of Knicks fans started posting you know that that Randall was the reason why they were beaten and it's it's a fair point but he's also playing through injury and that's something to take into consideration too yeah and then like the year before in 21 22 he was yeah. getting booed at home yeah and that's it's that's a tough great. scene that's a tough scene for a guy uh I, I do tend to think that also maybe uh, not I, I would say that there's at least a pretty good chance that he sees the writing on the wall which is the convert, and this kind of leads us to the main thing in the, of the segment, which is there's been a lot of conversation about the idea of them making a trade. There's been increasing reports of like they are back in the market for looking for big star players. Um, I've talked before on the show and others about about my understanding is that the minute the Julie the Joel Embiid says, "All right, that's it," the Knicks are first in line. They will be they will they will be waiting with the phone in hand to make the call as soon as that happens. They probably have a staffer whose entire job is to do that and listen to JD and the straight shot records. So <laughs> I think from Julius Randall's perspective, there's probably a level of, Hey, let's, you know, I'm, I am in, I am working in concert with an organization that does not have my best interests at heart that they're clearly, if, if any, if there's going to be a star trade, I'm who's going to get moved. So I need representation. That's going to at least be able to reflect things in the market and manage things publicly that will help me in that regard. That's kind of my read for it. Um, my question for you would be whether it's Joel Embiid or another major star, do you feel like the Knicks are in a position to where they always chase stars too early for years and years and years? That was the whole thing is Dolan just kept trying to get star players to fix it. And it was always a disaster. Are they in a point now where the organization is sound enough and they have enough talent to where they're ready 
to maybe make a star trade and try and contend? I'm still recovering from the JD and the straight shot uh, deep cut there. I'm sure I'll, like, half of, if not half, more than that of our audience probably has no idea what you're talking yeah, go about. Yeah, go, go Google JD and the straight shot. It's joy. Yeah, but, you know, not unironically, that's probably part of the reason why they're not in a position to make a star trade. Like that organization, I just don't see it as stable enough. They have not achieved necessarily the kind of postseason success that the franchise wants, but Look, Thibodeau has a reputation that's not exactly stellar around the league amongst players. At the same time, the front office just isn't significantly better either, especially when, you, as you just alluded to, they're run basically by another agency. So either you play by their rules or you don't get to play at all, and that's kind of a in an unfair position. I think Randall is a popular player amongst other players in the league, his peers. And as such, when you see how Randall's been treated by the New York market I, I, and the fact that he has to seek out outside representation – I think that kind of scares off other players. So I can understand why MB might want to play in New York, but you know, it's New York. It, they're always going to attract some players there, but I just don't know if a star wants to commit to that, knowing that there's so much crap going on behind the scenes that they can't control for a player's perspective. You want to be able to go into a situation where it's a seamless fit. You want to be able to have a voice that can be heard, that can make, have some influence in decision-making and stuff like that, that does not exist in New York. And so that's why I think they're just not there yet. I don't know what it takes other than for Dola to sell a team, and that doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen. Yeah, uh, ever. I, I, I kind of expect him to outlive me at this point, which is quite a bummer. Um, I think... <laughs> I, I will say I think that Knicks team is really good. I have some, yeah. I have some concerns with the fact that... like I'm very high on them this season. I have some concerns about the fact that Tibbs had one really one. Why are you, why are you higher on them? Why are you higher on them this season than they were last year? Um, because they're a team that from the start of the season to the end of the season morphed in a lot of their identity. So they were still trying to basically play slug ball Tibbs. Let's play really hard defense. And by the end of the season, they were cooking offensively and they added uh, Josh Hart, which I think helps a lot with the shooting. Losing Obi Toppin does hurt because of how good their bench unit was. Like their bench unit has been phenomenal the last couple of years. But um, I actually like a lot of of what they kind of brings to the table with Brunson and Hart and DiVincenzo now. Uh, that 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 very familiar trio, I actually do think provides a lot of balance offensively. And I'm kind of on a kick where I kind of I think the league is shifting from you need to have a solid defense that's going to provide your floor. I think offense has to be your floor now. I think that if you can't score efficiently, you're not going to be able to keep up. And surprisingly, the Knicks transformed into a high-volume, high-efficiency three-point team last season, which was like, who's coaching these people? Um, I'm still worried because Tibbs in the playoffs outside of the 2012 run uh, has been – or 11, rather, 2011. Rose got hurt in 2012. Outside of that run, Tibbs has been really bad in the playoffs. He's just – he is not a coach that outperforms expectations. He underperforms pretty, pretty drastically. Um, but he's also, I know he's a good coach and his guys will play hard. So I'm high on them from a regular season perspective from that view, which is one of the reasons why I'm like, okay, well, if I think their floor is pretty high and they already add a star player, what does that look like? And it's tempting. Part of this though, just really, I always get worried about the, about what happens when you take this to Dolan and he gets excited and then he's like, no, 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 get that, get that guy, whatever it takes. And then you wind up giving up more assets than you need to. Like they've done a very good job of not giving up more assets than New York needed to. So they have this cachet, but they still got to manage it. So they don't overextend themselves. You need to still have a roster afterwards, 
and you need to balance this so that you can actually have sustainable growth with the star. Otherwise, you're going to fall into the same trap they've been in for years. I think Randall's going to take a step back next year, like this season, upcoming season. I, I think that's just been his MO is that, you know, he, he has a couple seasons maybe or one season, especially on a contract year where he stands out and then kind of takes a step back. Uh, he was phenomenal last year. And I, I mean, I thought he should have been an all-star. He, you know, he was really, really good. He was part alongside Jalen Brunson of that team's success, the, the biggest part of it, really. And they had some depth and everything else. But I think he was really, really good. I just – I don't see him being – especially if he's making these kinds of moves where he feels like already it's me versus the organization, he might just not be engaged. He just might not be that kind of player that's going to be – you know, ready to lay it all on the line for this Knicks organization. So I wonder how much that might play into it once he, once the season actually starts. On the other side, we'll talk a little bit about James Harden, who the Clippers apparently have said, now nah, we're good. And what does that mean for Harden, the Sixers, the whole situation? We'll talk about that on the other side on Locked On NBA. Right now, I need to tell you about Jace Medical. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is you just fill out a simple online form. Some cases jump on a quick call with one of our board certified physicians and you get ongoing care from our physicians on any treatment related questions. Doctor created, doctor recommended. Um, there's a, been a lot of times when I've needed to get a dose of amoxicillin, whether it's for a respiratory infection um, or a sinus infection, or in some cases I go hiking a lot and there's cases where you wind up stumbling. And like, I fell into a, uh, into an iron fence one time and you're really worried about infection Ooh. in those types of situations. So being able to get these type of things uh, would save me a lot of time and a lot of hassle. Um, you know, Frank took a review of Jay's case and said, it's easy as one, two, three, and just in time. I received our package the same day I got a sinus infection and my doctor was out of town. No appointments for days. Thank goodness it arrived. There's been all sorts of supply chain issues with so many medications. So not having to worry about that with Jay's case, I think is a huge asset as well. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and their loved one during the unexpected. That's why Jay's medical offers the Jay's case. The Jay's case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you're not just hoping you have access to medication in an emergency. They make sure that you have the medication in hand. Jay's medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensing licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care don't get caught unprepared save more than 360 dollars by getting these life-saving antibiotics with jace medical plus an additional 20 dollars off by using code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n at checkout on jacemedical.com that's j-a-s-e medical.com promo code locked on we'll be right back on locked on nba Final segment here on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being here with us. Make sure to check out the show tomorrow. You got John Corrales and Jake Madison. Love that show. It's so good. Those guys are so, so good at covering the teams that they do and giving you all the lowdown on the takes across the NBA. On Thursday, you got Nick Angstot and Pat the Designer. And on Fridays, David's partner, Wes Goldberg, alongside my partner, Adam Mares. All right, let's talk a little about James Harden. So over the weekend, uh, actually it was early, I think on Friday was the last time this actually came out. Um, there was a report from on the Hoop Collective 
Brian Windhorst, got to do the, the, the hand signals, um, did report that the Clippers effectively are good. They are okay on this. Um, this was uh, transcribed by Clippers Fan Nation. I'm getting it from HoopsRumors.com. The Clippers tried to trade for James Harden, and that deal didn't happen, Windhorst said. And from what I understand, it was the Clippers who said, okay, there's no deal here. We're going to move on. And while I assume they could certainly make a deal midseason, I assume that this is what they're going to go with. So I do think it's notable that there hasn't been continued narrative about this. There hasn't been continued, yeah, the Clippers are still looking to get a James Harden deal done. They're very invested. Like This isn't the same as it is with Damian Lillard in Miami, where Miami's like simultaneously, oh, man, 34 and old and look how many years he's got on his contract. Who wants that deal? Please give him to us. Um, the Clippers, I think are in a, a different type of situation because one Harden's not as good as Dame is at this point. That's just the reality of it, which is real testament, honestly to Dame that he's still as good as he is at, at this age. Uh, but Harden, I think in part, one of the things is that I think the Clippers know, like, look, if we could get him for, this is how this was, this question was kind of posed to me. I got this response from two different GMs a couple of years ago with another star who was known to be difficult, mm-hmm. um, who may have been the Eastern Conference Finals MVP this year. That essentially, yeah, no, like he's a he's a huge pain, but there's a point where at a certain price he's still this level of player, and that's always going to be worth it. That yeah, Martin, <laughs> that that you're able to kind of get to a, a point where no, Caleb Martin's a saint. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you're kind of able to get to a point where even if you think there are locker room issues, if you are not like, yes, we can win the title. We know we can like the Denver nuggets would not want to trade for James Harden, no matter what the price is. Like they don't, they have no, what does that do for them? Like what right. he doesn't make them better. Right. But if you are a team that's looking to contend, there's obviously a price level. I do kind of wonder, like, this is this is kind of where it gets into the question, though, is are the Clippers, okay, we're clearly not going to be able to get a deal done with Maury on this, so it's not worth it? Or are they genuinely like, I don't want to deal with this drama because we have enough problems trying to get our guys on the floor and healthy and dealing with being essentially a massive disappointment the last four seasons? I mean, I think it's the former. Why show any interest in Harden at all if you're not you know willing to take on the eventual headache and or – eventual parting that is bound to take place because i mean harden leads the league and uh and fouls drawn and also requests for trades so i i think you know the clippers must have just figured out that uh they're not you know that they're not going to be able to get something done because Maury's asking price was ridiculous because he's publicly said no we're just going to trade him we're not going to deal with that uh that they're not interested in making a deal and so why not be willing to move on? If like you can ask as much as you want to and say, look, this is what we're going to offer. This is where we're offer. Or if their package, whatever reported package they might be willing to include, you know, if that has basically stayed the same throughout, maybe you make some tweaks here and there. But if that's not going to be enough to placate Maury and the Sixers, you got to move on at some point, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think the whole vibe from the – it's why I was a little bit surprised they were interested at all. Because – I, mean, I know that seem- he. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Right. I know he and Russ get along, yeah. and I know that Kawhi is is, from my understanding, is always kind of like I want better ball handlers, like I want bigger star names. He's been pushing that pretty consistently, um, which I think is a big reason why they got Russ. But I, on on some level, 
they come into their po- their postseason press conference and they kind of talked about like we got to take the regular season a little bit more seriously. And it seemed a lot like the Clippers kind of had a reckoning moment after how the season ended of kind of going through everything and being like, we're not doing this the right way. Like from an organizational standpoint, I think they almost lost Ty Lue over it. Who's a really good coach. Like Ty Lue is an excellent coach. And they, I think they almost lost him because of how much of a, of a headache the entire apparatus of the Clippers is with trying to placate honestly Kawhi Leonard like I don't blame Paul George for almost any of this and maybe that's unfair by me like maybe Paul George is a huge headache I've never heard of Paul George being a huge headache um and Paul George's injuries have always been simple and what I mean by that is like Kawhi's injury is very complicated he has like a very complicated leg condition versus like Paul George has things like I tore, like, I suffered a sprained knee. <laughs> you know, I tore a thing in my elbow. I got to get healthy. There's simpler things that he's going to deal with. And Kawhi's had various tears as well with the ACL. Um, but they seem like they want to kind of get a little bit more serious just off the top. And I say this as somebody that really respects Harden, and he led the league in assists last year. Don't overlook that. He was he had some phenomenal moments in the playoffs. He had terrible moments, but he had some great ones too. He is not who you add if you're like, boy, we really want to get serious. That's that's just not what you do. You don't add James Harden if you're like, we need to set a tone in the locker room. That's not who you go get. Interesting. I, I would have thought that they would be a little bit more understanding of who Harden is. And, and maybe they have a different approach to this particular season. Like, I mean, I, I feel like the Clippers, more than almost any team, uh, it really just has to – make some kind of move at this point because they they need to do they need to win they need to be something like how many years is this now of this pairing and this version this iteration of the clippers and trying to figure out where who they are what who's going to be available on a night-to-night basis and whether or not they're going to be you know i was i was rereading bubble ball from ben Golliver, right And, and he was talking about how the clippers at that point in time and i've forgotten this 100 that they were a title contender that they entered the Orlando bubble looking to win a title. I was like that far back. It's been four freaking seasons and they haven't done anything. And and so it's like, at what well, point? Look, if Kawhi doesn't, I think if Kawhi doesn't get hurt in the 2021 series, I think they, they, they beat the Suns and make the finals. Cause that Suns team had really had huge but problems it, with Swift. But he did, which is part of the problem. It's like yeah. they're all, they're, their future yeah. is tied to somebody who's in and out of the lineup. I mean, right. and, and the joke is that he's on the sidelines in Colorado watching Deion Sanders and his team, and he's not even at his own team's games when the Clippers are in action. So, I, I mean, I think that's kind of telling. And and yeah. so, you know, if you're interested in acquiring Harden, my, it's just my feeling. Though. You know, again, I'm not reporting or anything like that. My speculation is that if you're interested in acquiring Harden, you know what you're dealing with, and you kind of just you have to make a swing because what else is there in order for you to be able to, to push – your, all the chips at the table to be able to win this season because this is it. This is your last opportunity to do so. It's going to do it for Locked On NBA for a Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us. We'll see you guys again next time. Until then, make sure to leave us five-star reviews. Go to the YouTube page. Look at Locked On NBA on YouTube. You can follow David's work over at Locked On Heat for more on the Damian Lillard saga. We'll, ca- we'll catch you again next week where I'm sure we'll talk about Dame some more because that's oh. what life is right now. But hopefully we'll have some muscle watching other things as preseason gets all that much closer. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys again on Locked On NBA. Mm-hmm.